now introducing the queen of men's health. Welcome to the Ali Gilbert Podcast, where you'll find the premier men's health info delivered to you the only way I know how, truthful and raw, with the occasional boner joke thrown in. If you guys like this episode, subscribe to my YouTube and slide in the DMs on Instagram and join the party. All right, Dave Lee, what is up? It is good to be back for the millionth time. This is my uh, my favorite, my all time favorite podcast to be on, and uh, I, I, I think, think I must be the most reoccurring guest. I was just going to say, I think that I've had you on the most, and with no complaint from anybody because the people just want more. Perfect. I'm happy to give them more of what they want. <laughs> so today, I want to talk about the sweatshirt that you're wearing. For those of you who are not watching this, it says Primal Zone which is one of our Silverback Summit sponsors, which is a clinic based in Australia. And I know that we have a lot of Australian followers. I have some Australian clients. We have people traveling all the way from there, yourself included, for the Silverback Summit. Can you give a little bit of insight and history as to who Primal Zone is and what you do with them? Yeah, sure. So Primal Zone is the new clinic, which I am partnered with. Uh, and working with exclusively in Australia. It came about when we, I guess we, we sat down and we we looked at how poor the general state of TRT is globally. I would say that that was one of the driving factors for it coming to be. And rectifying the main pain points that people have with their TRT clinics. Like one of the, one of the most inter interesting things about what I do, and I'm sure that you would have the same experience, is... I see protocols and I get feedback from every clinic in the world and seeing exactly how everyone does things. And a lot of it is very suboptimal in terms of not only what's being recommended in terms of, you know, take this or that, or don't take this or that, or even what they're blood testing for a lot of the time is abysmal. But the other part that I think is underdone by a lot of clinics, not all clinics, because there's some great clinics out there and clinics that you and I work with uh, internationally but a lot of the clinics don't really look after their customers or their clients properly. And I think that that's probably mm -hmm. one of the biggest revelations I had working with TRT is just how poorly the average guy is looked after, both in terms of conversations around his health, conversations about his mental health, well-being, habits, routines, diet, training, all this stuff that's super important, but also just Men need to be supported going through TRT. TRT is a big thing. Like going from having your hormones at a crashed out level for a prolonged period of time and then elevating them to a healthy point. Like there is so much attention that needs to be given to guys individually, just in terms of giving them feedback on what they should and shouldn't be doing, but also giving them the opportunity to actually speak to someone when they need to talk to someone about it. I think that treating people individually rather than treating them like a number and then wanting to excel in providing the best protocols for these guys that's how primal zone came to be so i'm very excited to be working with them and to be able to help them put together the guidelines around the protocols for their doctors to work with uh with, with their clients and we've had amazing feedback so far and i've sent some guys um who follow me from australia because i've always get get asked just like you like do you do you know anybody or i live in 
Australia. And like you said, it's kind of atrocious. And then I send them and then they've been like, oh my God, Primal is amazing. Thank you. Like the feedback's just been super genuine and stuff. So that makes me happy because there's only so much I can do internationally as well because the laws and stuff. So um, I'm glad that we have them and I'm glad that they're, um, you know, part of Silverback, even though they're not physically here. I think that says a lot to their character for them to support the event and the mission and the vision that we have for this, because this is your second time and you'll actually physically be here this time. <laughs> yeah, I tried to come the first time, but uh, <laughs> I, I I don't take experimental drugs, so they wouldn't let me in your country. But this time uh, we're allowed in. So it's uh, it's actually my first time in the. Oh, I, I went to Hawaii for two weeks when I was at university, but it's my first time being in you know mainland America. Um, so yeah, I'm very excited. I get to meet a whole bunch of my internet friends, and um, yeah, it's going to be awesome. We're gonna we're going to have all kinds of shenanigans and. Also, I will probably speak about some hormone stuff at some point. So what will your talk be this year? Because I know last year we were doing uh, the war on masculinity. And I think that was the initial installment of it. I, I like triads. I like doing things in threes. So this is just going to be part three. Um, the So it's, it's going to be called uh, your, brain on, your Brain on Testosterone and the War on Masculinity Part Three. And, and I'm giving this one the, the subtitle, uh, Cards the Movie. And what this talk is going to be doing, and I haven't asked yet, but I'm going to ask if I can have a bit more time to present this talk because I'm going to need 90 minutes to get through it, is marrying <laughs> the, the points I made in part one and part two together and then going deeper into the how neuropsychiatry impacts behavioral psychology. So what I mean by that is the, the, the part one and part two. So in, in part one, the idea was defining what I think is going on and what I've observed in, in my practice of health coaching, which is there are biological and societal uh, factors that are massively detrimentally impacting, I guess, what we would define as masculinity as a whole. And getting into how masculinity works, and I guess the truth, traits that we would define as masculinity work and how they are stemmed from and influenced by both biology and psychology and then explaining to people how this equation is going wrong i think that was the most important thing to define first is why are we at a point where a whole bunch of guys under the age of 30 need hormone replacement therapy even when they're doing things right i think that that's a that's a point that we need to look at. And it's the same with women. Why do so many women under the age of 30 have endometriosis? Why is there so many fertility issues coming up? Why do we have so many younger people needing antidepressants when apparently life has never been better, according to uh, how you look at certain things? So defining what was going on and why was going on, I think was the most important thing. And then part two was going, okay, well, where to from here? So part two went straight into talking directly to the client or the patient saying, hey, let's put all the science jargon aside. Let's put all the mechanistic theory aside. This is the stuff that you need to do. And this is the stuff that you shouldn't be doing. And this is how you should approach things and how you should think when you're actually starting your TRT. And when you're waking up in the morning being like, what could I do today to get myself further from where I am towards where I want to be? 
and mm-hmm. looking at that from a practical standpoint because i think that's very important i think the two important parts for men and it may be for women too i just don't understand women but for men what i do understand and what i do observe is we need to know why and then we need to know how if you tell me to do something i'm not going to do it unless i want to but if you show me how to do something or if you teach me the merit of why i should do something because it will help me get what i want in another aspect i'm going to do it so i think it's important to teach guys the why and then it's important to teach them the how. And then what I want to do in this talk, and the reason why I'm using cars, the movie as an example, is that I like to think of health coaching, you know, what what you're doing, what I'm doing, what clinics like Primal and clinics like Marrick and all the other great providers who are, who are in the Superback Network. What we're doing is, I guess, what some people would call functional medicine. I guess other people would call it holistic health coaching. I, I don't know what label people want to put on it, but I call it human engineering, which is where you're looking at the human, both the experience and the vessel as similar to a machine, like a car. But in this context, the car is sentient, the car is alive, and the car is experiencing being a car. And there's a movie about that, which is called Cars. So I think it gives a really good example for how I believe that we should approach health coaching, which is that we should be looking at the human body as a series of biologically interconnected systems, but we are also having the experience of those systems being alive. And those systems are giving us feedback and they're giving us information and they're giving us signals in real time, but they're not teaching us things that we don't know. So the body gives us signals all the time that we're doing something wrong and that we need to change. It can be anxiety, depression, pain, stiffness, tightness, brain fog, all these different things. You can get a rash after you eat certain foods. Your body is giving you a signal that something is wrong, but a smoke alarm going off doesn't show you how to put fire out. doesn't even show you where the fire is. So I think that's something that people struggle with is realizing that something's off, but they don't know where to start. And this whole approach and this whole concept around what I am promoting in terms of a paradigm that we look at things and then also giving some guys some solutions so it's not all fucking doom and gloom is saying you didn't come with an instruction manual when you were born your parents sure as shit didn't have one and there's a whole bunch of stuff that we're working out now which i wish that we knew when we were younger but this is what we're teaching these guys in terms of being like this is how to properly take care of yourself as a human and when we're doing it with the angle of saying this is how you properly take care of yourself as a human who wants to perform and thrive and be a man who doesn't feel fucking terrible about himself. And I think that it's important to put that lens on it because you can also just put it on another lens and say, okay, I want to get you to a four out of 10 so you don't blow your brains out and you pay your taxes like a good little boy, shut the fuck up. That is not a solution. And I think a lot of people are starting to work that out because they're becoming self-aware, they're becoming more sentient and they're going, hang on. My ancestors did some really fucking powerful, cool shit. They survived all kinds of crazy stuff. I can't deal with keeping my room clean and going to work and barely making enough money to survive. And that's all I can manage. And and maybe there's something wrong with that. Maybe there's something driving that. Maybe it's not just that I'm a pussy, weak-willed character who needs to you know, read another David Goggins or, or Jocko Willink book and eat some concrete and harden the fuck up. Maybe there is something actually wrong with the biology that I need to support. And that's where I think places like Primal, places like Marek, places like that have good doctors and practitioners like what's in the Silverback Network who will actually sit down with people and look at everything. Look at the blood work. Look at how they're feeling. Look at what they're doing. Look at how they're thinking. Look at how they're approaching life. Look at what their day-to-day vices are that are generally sabotaging everything, drugs, alcohol, and junk food. 
and lack of exercise, if you want to make it four, but I like threes. Then we start to get more of an idea of how to get out of this mess. And I think that's the secret is we need to know, we need to know why the shit that we're doing is not working. We need to know why having three or four beers every Friday night is a problem. We, we need to understand that because we like having the beers and I don't like beer, but I, I speak as, as we, as people. So it's all about teaching people the why in a way that they can understand. And in a way that it will then inspire hope and drive and motivation, even if it is fleeting to ride that wave of excitement to be empowered to actually make a change because i i hate these stories and these paradigms and this nonsense that we're born broken it's crap it, it, mm. the, the literature doesn't support it the literature doesn't support that you know what what 30 fucking percent of people have some kind of born serotonin deficiency like not nah, like that's not why you're depressed and all, all i see in traditional western medicine are, are these labels that that people get and some people are broken some people are born with things that cannot be fixed but that's not what's causing this minor depressive disorder malaise complex that a lot of people have going on most people are told they're broken and they're saying the only solution is to take this pill for the rest of your life that causes side effects and doesn't actually make you feel better and it's all crap it's not real it's just it's a scam mm -hmm. and if people can actually understand and say it's all well and good to go oh that's a scam and it's like okay well then what is what is the solution what is the truth what is how do these things work and that's what this part three is intending to uh close on is all of that together so how how do you think that this affects men socially um because there seems to be a massive struggle with the ability to take charge, communicate clearly, effectively, and do hard things. How much do you think the lack of hormones is shaping that culturally? Heaps. I, I think it's a massive underlying factor. Um, and I think women understand this really well. I get a lot of really positive feedback from women on social media, which a lot of people, when they read my content, would assume it would be the opposite. Right. But women understand how hormones fuck with their heads. They get it because they're on a monthly cycle. They know, they know that they know that they feel different and they behave differently and they react differently to different things based on where their cycle is. So if they can intrinsically understand that, they're going to look at this and go, oh, that makes sense. Maybe, maybe if a man doesn't have that high level of androgen exposure when he's going through his formative years, maybe not having that can fuck him up. And I think that that's what we're seeing societally in terms of behavior is guys aren't coming through at 18, 19, 20, 21 as fearless risk takers anymore. They're mm -hmm. not doing that. It, yeah. It's not, it's not happening. And when you don't have that, because that, that mentality, people go, Oh, that's a bad mentality. It's like, no, that, that same mentality can be driven and channeled into things like entrepreneurship and martial arts and sports and, or just taking on the world. And I think if you don't have that, what do you get? You get avoidance, you get procrastination. And I think what really fucks with a lot of people is that they are experiencing themselves, not living to their fullest potential and they feel guilty about it, but they also don't know how to fix it. It's like the ultimate fucking catch 22 of being between a rock and a hard place. So I think it influences behavior a lot because testosterone as a as a neurosteroid, which is something that is 
you know, it influences the brain. It's it's psychotropic. So it, it, it impacts how you feel, but it's not an intoxicant. So mm-hmm. what testosterone does is it increases dopamine transmission, but it also antagonizes the effect of stress. It's like the opposite of social anxiety. So when a man is hypogonadal, his stress response is, is much more of a, a, a hair trigger and it has much more of an impact on his biology, but you also don't get that dopamine flood of, of doing the exciting thing. It's just uncomfortable and bad. And I grew up experiencing that in real time. Just, I can remember it very well. I didn't want to do things like rock climbing and going surfing or, you know, jumping off the, jumping off the cliff into the river, stuff like that, because the the dopamine response just wasn't even there a little bit um and it was just overridden and, and completely crushed by fear and that on one you know day to day like that's that's fine you know some some people have days that they're afraid some people have a survival mechanism that says don't jump off the cliff into the river that might not be a good idea maybe that's why i'm still alive but what happens when you're living and breathing that 24 seven is your identity changes, your relationship with people around you and the world changes you, your self-esteem isn't, you don't have self-esteem because you haven't done the things that earn you the right to have the self-esteem. You're not confident because you don't have the the merit to be, but then you're experiencing that. And I think that when that forms your identity and who you are, that's someone who is going to live a depressing life and become clinically depressed. That makes sense. If if the it's like the juice is never worth the squeeze. If everything is always too much effort and doesn't feel good enough to be worth that effort. So what do you do? You retreat into things that feel better with less effort, which is video games, porn, and junk food. And it it's it's a path that it it doesn't give people the excuse to do it. Like it's it's not like you're a victim, but it leads people down that road in a way that you're only human and you only know what you know. So when we have these reactive biological experiences where we're driven towards the path of least resistance, your your failure is really as a human, but it it's not really a failure of 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 character or a failure of discipline. It's just a failure of the human condition in the modern world. And if you don't know better, then you, you already know what you know. So you can't do anything about that. But when you do work out and go, hey, this is where it went wrong this is my situation. This is where I need an intervention. The problem with the the current conventional medical system is when you walk into the doctor's office with all this shit going on, they say, here's an SSRI, see you later. And that just compounds the problem and makes it far worse because now your, your brain is tricked into thinking that people love you and you're doing better than you are and you're having all these amazing social interactions and all this serotonin's flying around to inhibit you even further. And it's, you're just you're trying to lie to your brain and you're trying to make your brain feel like you're more successful and more loved and you have greater connections with the people around you than you actually are and it doesn't work at all everyone knows everyone knows that now so i think it it impacts behavior acutely because it makes you less brave and courageous and then it also impacts your behavior chronically over time because it's going to condition you not to do the things that you need to do, which is push your comfort zone, go and do things that are hard, build character, because you should actually have a want and a drive to take on the world. And when you get older and more mature and more you know, wise or whatever you want to call that, you, you, tr- you transition and you channel that drive into things that are more productive and less dangerous. And 
I think eventually it comes to a point where that drive and instinct as you mature and you become, you, you master the things that you're trying to master in the world and then you get to the end game, you want to take care of other people and you want to lead a family and raise children and teach them how to do what you did. Because otherwise, what else are you going to do? And that arc is the the hero's journey. It's 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 the story of every story that we like and that we've been told. And you know, Andrew Tate's a great example of this right now. He's 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 the personification of the hero's journey. He's fighting the dragon, and that's why people like that story because they look at him being brave and courageous and standing up for something bigger than him. And the the thing that people need to understand is that you you need to create a man who would react two situations of adversity and challenge with that degree of bravery and strength and it should inspire you to to look at look at yourself and look at things like this and go am am i the man i could be now and if you're not you need to have a look at going okay is it just a consequence of me not doing the things i know i should be doing and doing the things i know i shouldn't be doing because you can cut that shit out real fucking quick if you want to and I think you have to have the drive and, and and the passion to want to. And I think some people are just fucking lazy and entitled. But I also think some people are biologically set up to fail. And that's where people need to, and this is not a sales pitch, but it turned into the biggest sales pitch ever. That's where you need to find someone who knows what the fuck they're doing to sit down and go through your blood work and go through everything that you're doing and work out, is your car broken or are you just a shit driver? And you, it could be both. A lot of the time it is both because you've never had a good car to drive. So you haven't learned the productive habits because everything felt shit. So TRT is a two-part journey. You fix you fix the car and then you have to learn how to drive because you crashed the first one. So you don't fucking know how to drive. It's common sense. But also when you learn how to drive the human body, you feel so much better. And a lot of the time when guys are coming on TRT, they've been on the TRT forums, what they're constantly trying to do is feel better because they feel shit and they don't know why. And I think one of the most powerful messages that I have and that you have and a lot of other guys are having in the space now is just start by looking after yourself properly and it might fix everything. But the catch is you have to look after yourself properly for a while. You have to be the guy who's been looking after himself properly for a while, not the guy who started looking after himself properly last week because you are still a product of all the shit decisions that you made for a long time on repeat. So there, there can be a lot of difficulty and, and uh, uncertainty and vulnerability in, in the process of, of trusting that and going through the journey and going through the motions. But that's one of the uncomfortable things about life. And the good thing is testosterone makes fear less and, and courage and bravery more. So it's the ultimate combination to fix your, fix the car and then learn how to drive properly. So fix the hormones and then meet the medicine halfway and put them to work. And I think that that's TRT done properly. 100%. You know, one thing I, I've noticed, like, oddly, any I've been to so many events this year is the intensity of a handshake has significantly gone down. You can shake a woman's hand and it not break my hand. But dude, this type of handshake is like, I, I want to say something because it really ought for me, at least automatically my confidence in this person's confidence goes down. Does that happen to you? There's definitely a point in every guy's life in the modern world where he realizes that he doesn't shake hands strong enough. Um, that was, I probably had that realization maybe four or five years ago. 
And it's something that people, it, it's, it's not a pissing contest of how hard can I squeeze this guy's hand to try to break it? Because you can tell when someone's doing that. But when you meet someone and, and you do shake their hand, there should be an intensity of your character that shows up. And yeah. I notice that people shake hands very weakly. Um, but I also am aware that I shook hands very weakly for a long time. So I understand. Um, and I think they're just, I think that's something that guys, if, if, if you do shake hands weekly, it's not something where you go, oh, okay, next time I shake this person's hand, I'm just going to squeeze their hand more so they think I'm stronger. That's not what you're doing. What you should be doing is going, okay, why do I shake people's hands weekly? Why do I soften when, like, why is my instinct to soften when I meet someone? And working on where that's coming from, I think is the most important thing. Yeah, that that was just like a funny social thing that I noticed. I'm like, damn, I've shaken a lot of hands, shook a lot of hands this year. And it just, it's not the same, not the same. Um, so segueing into kind of like what we were talking about last night with uh, insecurities and how guys are showing up uh, both online and in person. But I think obviously most people show up differently online, especially when it comes to tearing others down. And you were kind of um, giving insight to why certain people said what they did on the clip from my podcast with Mark Bell and how vicious some of the comments were just all from dudes pretty much and the why behind some of that and what was really the impetus behind them feeling compelled to say certain things when it when you have a female presenting with certain masculine traits I thought that was insightful so I think you should share it there's a really good example. There's a there's a singer named Ronnie Radke. Uh, he was a singer for a band called Escape the Fate, and now it's called uh, a band called Pulling in Reverse. He does great things where people like he he makes stories where someone will like be giving him shit, like trolling him, like leaving a comment, and then he'll like go on their profile and show who it is. Um, and he doesn't even need to say anything about the people. Like it's just you you, you laugh just at the people. And from a mindfulness perspective. Firstly, if if people are doing this kind of shit in terms of like just going out of their way to say negative things about people they don't know, they're embodying that energy and that feeling and that negativity for no reason. Like they're the ones who lose. So that's number one. Secondly, I don't know about you or, or people listening, but like I don't have that much spare time between working and spending time with the people who I love and care about and self-development and hobbies and eating and sleeping. There's not really that much spare time I have in the day. And I cannot imagine leaving anonymous negative comments on the internet towards anyone, especially people who I don't know. So th there's only a, a certain type of loser who leaves comments like that in the first place. So that's one of the reasons why I kind of shake off comments that people leave on, on my content is because I'm just like, dude, if this is where you're at, like, I'm glad I'm not you. Um, but in terms of the kind of feedback that, that you were getting, and for those who haven't seen the clip, it was a, a, a clip on, on Mark Bell's podcast. And people were basically giving you shit in terms of your masculine traits. And Firstly, I went through some of the profiles of the people who are giving you shit. And uh, yeah, I'd say that you could definitely snap them in half. Um, 
And that's not a poor reflection on you. That's a poor reflection on them. And for me, it's, it's, it's very clear looking at this because these were men who were seeing, and it, it's you know how jealousy tends to work is that we see people who have something that we don't have and we feel entitled that we should have that and by extension that they should. That's jealousy. Saying I'm entitled to what you have and I have negative feelings about you because you have something that I deserve to have that I don't. I doubt any of these guys deserve to have a good physique or masculine traits, because if that's what they're spending their time doing, then they, by extent, well, just by default, they don't deserve it because it's impossible. You haven't earned mm -hmm. it because you're spending your time giving people shit on the internet who don't even know you. Um, so that's number one, but I think it would be particularly confronting to see it in a woman because it's like, it, it, I, I, I don't know what the, uh, the, the reversed gender equivalent of that would be, but seeing seeing a woman who could bench more than you probably squat more than you and could probably beat you in a street fight like that would particularly suck as a dude because it would be there'd be a degree of humiliation there so mm -hmm. i i think but when i when i see content and videos like that i'm like that's it's good that you're making these guys feel that uncomfortable because they should be embarrassed that you could break them in half um but unfortunately the problem with the internet is that when you give people a platform to give anonymous criticism, like YouTube comments or Reddit, because it's much worse on platforms that are anonymous because people can just say whatever the fuck they want. Mm -hmm. the, it, it brings the worst people to those platforms because it attracts people who, who, who spend time being anonymous on the internet in their spare time, which is a, a small minority of, of very, you know, low level individuals. And then you're making, you're triggering their insecurities. So they're just going to lash out. And um, I think it's a shame, but I also think that when you get to a certain point, you're going to inevitably get bad feedback just due to jealousy and people being the way they are, but also choosing to speak on a topic that's polarizing, right? Like it's, it's, a, it's a polarizing topic and you've got a polarizing persona. So it's, it's one of those things where I think it's a reflection that you've made a good impact because you've inspired enough people to go out of their spare time and have a fucking cry about it which i think is hilarious <laughs> um but i think it's i think it's a sad reflection on how people act on the internet because people say shit on the internet that they would never say to people in real life but they're also people that you probably wouldn't even give a fuck what they had to say in real life and that's probably why they yeah. spend their time doing that on the internet so yeah i, I think people should uh really 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 not think twice about anything that people say anonymously on the internet and that's why i always have a, a policy where i don't read any youtube comments at all um i read even very few comments on facebook in general um but if you send me an email i'll read it um yeah it's one of the reasons i don't i don't argue with people on the internet i just stop it i'm like if you would like to continue the argument let's make a live video and we'll have it out here no one ever wants to do that um so yeah it's the the bottom dwelling of bottom dwellers but it also shows the the worst response people can have to something like that because the correct and good response would be oh i look in the mirror and i don't like how i feel so rather than projecting that onto someone else and insulting them i should actually use this productively and, and get to a point where i can actually get to where i need to go so i'm not spending my spare time doing this and when i take my shirt off and, and look in the mirror i actually like the way i look or at least don't hate it or like what uh, I saw a clip of uh, Chris Cavallini saying it the other day, it was like one in three or half of men or something like that. If they look down, they can't even see their penis. Like I'd, I'd be upset all the time too. Um, 
that that makes sense so yeah you know, people people need to uh <clears throat> take a good look at themselves in terms of how they act but the problem with the internet is that they will un unfortunately it makes people cross it, it, it makes it inevitable that you'll cross people's paths that you wouldn't usually cross in real life and i think the brain can have trouble distinguishing what's online and what's real and i think that yeah. it can it can be difficult to like it, it can be easy to understand that in theory okay it's just you know losers on the internet making noise but because of how our brains work like it does feel real to some extent and i think that that's why it can be tricky because you're you're sitting there going logically this doesn't matter but it still feels like it does and i think that's a product of the fact that no generations prior to us evolved with the internet yeah it was um it was interesting like when you say like having the spare time to argue because there's well over 1500 comments at this point and so it it's died down a little bit but it was like you know, every 10 minutes. And I was laughing because they started arguing with each other. So I would respond here and there to like stupidity, but then they would all start arguing with each other. And I was like, who has the time to sit and go at stuff like this? And there's guys saying like women, because I was talking about how I, I'm on uh, TRT and there's guys saying, well, women don't produce testosterone. They don't need to replace anything. And I was just like, man, like, the intelligence level of like this comment section was just quite interesting. And some of them, I actually took different approaches to see how they would respond. So one guy, you know, who would say something mean, I would be like, I'm sorry you feel so hurt that you have to come after somebody that you don't know. I hope you find happiness. And that would like provoke them even further. And then other times I would just be like, wow, that really shows a lot of character that you say something like this to someone you have no idea anything about. And it was more like a psychology game because I was like, let's see, let's see, you know, what how they respond and stuff. And I found it interesting. And one guy I told, you would never say this to me if we were in the same room. And he's like, if we were friends, definitely I would say this to you. And I was just like, well, we're not friends, you know? And I saw a video of Layla Hormozy talking about because her voice is deeper naturally right she's been called a man and saying that she looks like a guy because she has a deeper voice or whatever and the guy interviewing her said to her um you know how did you handle this and she said at first it's difficult and I admit like it's difficult to get shots taken so much but then she was talking to Alex about it and Alex said well do you believe what they're saying what do you think about your voice and she's like yeah it is actually kind of deep and he's like so then do you blame them in some capacity and she's like you know you have a point but it's also the willingness for them to just come forward with these comments like you said because they're so deeply hurt that part of me like went my heart went out to like these guys are really really like it, it gives you it's eye-opening to the psychology and also how how awful people must feel about themselves like it's that bad that they feel so bad about themselves and I think part of that with sitting at home playing video games and not having relationships with friends or outside humans and stuff like that is just such a big contributor to people acting like this. Yeah. And I think that <laughs> a lot of people are just genuinely unlikable because they have yeah. traits like this and it doesn't necessarily like there, there's people who are bad people and there's people who are just genuinely unlikable people and i think that when it comes to 
people who are bad people who are like morally corrupt, like they're people who I want nothing to do with. But I think a lot of unlikable people, they they haven't, well, a lot of them have been dealt bad hands. Absolutely. I was dealt a pretty good hand. And then I, and then I had a, an incident happen to me in my mid twenties, but I managed to integrate that into a positive and looking back on it, a big part of the fact I could integrate it into a positive was that I had a good underlying support network, like a foundation. So I was very privileged with that. And I know a lot of people aren't. So I understand how people become unlikable people because they respond to their circumstances, but it doesn't give you an excuse to be a cunt. Um, and I think that there's, there's that, there's that point where it's, it's understanding and being like, okay, like you're being a dickhead because your life sucks. And that's very clear, but it's also sad that their life sucks. Um, but in what, what capacity and what role did they have to play in that? And I think that's, what's important because at the end of the day, it does come back to, we are, we're all dealt different hands in life. Some are better, some are worse. And sometimes you get a bunch of good hands and you get a really bad hand or, you know, it could go all these different ways. And and some people get consistently worse hands and others dealt absolutely. But at the end of the day, everything is really just about how you survive and how you respond to things. And that's what life is. It's just a series of those experiences. So it's, I, I guess people have a choice where when, when things happen to them or things aren't going well, they can give themselves an excuse to say, okay, well, I had a bad day. So that means that I get to be a dickhead to other people. And people do that all the time. Parents come home and snap at their kids after they had a stressful day at work because why, why, why shouldn't they? Like they had a bad day. They can be how they like. And I think that's bullshit. Like I, I really think it is. And I think that there, there has to be a point of, of self-awareness and emotional maturity where you, you start to embody the changes that you seek in the world. And I think that the, that that's that's what people need to be doing and it, it's taking a step towards and it, it's not like wank positivity esoteric crap it's just it's a realist perspective and going this is the hand i've been dealt this is where the balls landed and how am i going to play it and choosing the positive path or choosing to do the right thing or or choosing to do good by other people even if you can't do good by yourself like that that's the stuff important that that's important like if i if i'm having a bad day and I, i've had something you know horrible happen or i'm in a situation that i can't do anything about i'll i'll go and do something nice for someone else because at least that that way something good can happen from it um and i don't think people think like that and that's the stuff where that's the stuff where if you don't think like that, it keeps you awake at night. Like you sleep well at night when you show up in, in, in the day being doing good things and doing the right thing. That That's when you sleep well. That's when that inner, inner voice in your head, that monologue doesn't torture you. And it gives you some peace because you know that you've at least got good character. And I think that's important. I think even if your circumstances are shit, even if you're in a point where things aren't going well, you can still have good character. You can still be polite to the waiter. Like you can still... Yeah. You can you can still use manners and, and, and you can still, you know, smile at the person on the street because maybe they're having a shit day as well. Um, and I, I think that gives people more choice over how they feel because you can choose how you react to things. And the problem is that that takes a pretty good amount of mindfulness and emotional maturity, which I think a lot of people, unfortunately, aren't forced to develop these days. So accordingly, don't. And 
it leads people to a point where they hit their 30s, 40s, 50s, and they realize they're behind the eight ball in a lot of ways. And I think that that would be very difficult. So at the end of the day, the hate comes from the bottom. That's the, that's the moral of the story. And I mean, you have a lot of these conversations with guys regarding like getting their shit together and developing routine and doing hard things. Like what are kind of like the overlapping themes in these convos? between finding acute stresses and having regular routines where you give yourself self-care and look after yourself i think i think it's the juxtaposition between the two and it's the necessity of the two as well as having it on the fat the foundation and people have different terms for this like paul calls it like paul jack calls it the four doctors uh kyle gillette i did a podcast with him the other day he had the the six pillars of health um, there's all different ways that people can look at it, but I think the the most important thing is is teaching people and having them understand. And, and people really struggle with this one, and I understand because it's bargaining. But you can't bargain with the body; it just doesn't work. Is that if you if you subcategorize your I guess your areas of health into different categories, it doesn't matter what those ca- categories are. You have to tick the boxes for all of them. So you can't sleep like shit if you do everything else extra good you can't out train the bad diet you there's so many different examples of this but it's understanding that whatever area you're neglecting is causing you the issues and that's the first thing to to assess so it's about going hey i need to audit my shit and generally from what i've found people know exactly what where they're fucking up people do and i think that they need to understand and realize and go hey Fucking up here is causing that problem over there. And they go, oh, okay. And it can be simple. Um, But from there, once the foundation at least is decent, I like the juxtaposition of acute physical stress with mental rest, relaxation, and finding stillness or, or finding space in the present moment. And when I say what the present moment is, it's not thinking about the past or the future. Very simple. So the importance of those things things i believe is that when it comes to resiliency when it comes to stress we say stress is bad we want less stress i agree but stress is subjective so the issue is that you you don't actually want less stresses you want to get less stressed by those things because you also need to build capacity and determination and resilience so right. if you got rid of all the stressful things in your life, you would turn into a complete snowflake because you'd become conditioned that life is always easy. And then when life happened to you, you'd be fucked. So what we want to do is to be able to not succumb to our stresses and actually be able to overcome and build our stresses. So we build capacity for stress. And then we go, okay, well, how the fuck do you actually do that? And I think the the best way to break it down is to go with the yin and yang approach, which is one, find things that are acutely way more stressful than you're doing now and elect to do them regularly, i.e. do them for the sake of doing them, even though you don't have to. And I think, for and again, can't speak for women, but I think for men, learning some form of martial arts, just having some kind of basic degree of some form of combat proficiency, even if it's shooting, you know, it's just something. I think it's naive to think that you're never going to need that just because you haven't needed it yet, because you won't need it until you do. So I think it's necessary to do that. But if people don't have that mindset, then 
do it as an exercise just for the sake of doing it for therapy, which is violence is scary to the brain. And even in a situation where you're holding pads and they're holding pads and you know that they're not going to hit you like it's a safe environment, you don't really truly know that. So your body will still go into full fight or flight mode. And that full fight or flight mode, especially when it's non-familiar uh, territory, will be very strong. But that's the therapy. The therapy is going into a space that is safe and stressing your body the fuck out so that you can then get to the point where you can actually function and operate and maybe even develop some degree of mastery in a hyper-stressful situation. Because then by default, everything else is now easier because you have a higher benchmark for what is stressful and what you can do. So previously when you're you know when you got home and your email inbox was full and your room was messy and your dishes are there from the night before that could have stressed you out to like a seven eight out of ten but if you make a seven eight out of ten putting your guard up and throwing punches that now is not going to trigger a seven out of ten stress response that's going to trigger a two or a three so it's going to be much easier to do that shit and stay on top of it subjectively it's not going to physically make doing that stuff actually any easier but the problem with all this stuff is that cleaning your room and answering your emails and cleaning the dishes, that's not hard. Like it's not physically hard. It's just uncomfortable because it's shit. So I think that's really beneficial just from that point. And I think that you can learn any martial art you want. I recommend finding whatever the best coach is in your area and learning whatever he teaches. And I think it's an important experience for men to have because every single one of your ancestors from the dawn of time up until now was probably taught to fight by a guy who was older than him and more experienced. That's how your bloodline made it. So don't be the first one in your bloodline who doesn't know how to fight. If you're the first one in your bloodline that commits suicide and you're the first one who doesn't know how to fight, maybe they're connected. Maybe not, but somewhere you can start. I don't think it's a complete cure for suicide, by the way, but just a point. Um, and the other side is the yin and yang. So the other side, sorry, is the yin, which is the, the mindfulness. And I think one mistake that guys make, well, I guess there's two types. There's guys who aren't doing enough and there's there's guys who are doing too much. And the way that you can do more is that you can look after yourself better. I learned this a while ago. I went, I want to train more. Like I want to do more hours of exercise per week. And I was like, but I'm not recovering from what I'm doing now. So then I did recovery practices and then I could get more training in. So I think people need to look at that as well and go, what am I actually doing that's actively self-care? Lying on the couch on a Sunday for rest day doesn't count. Like what, what are people doing in terms of, are you doing mindfulness? Are you doing stretching and mobility before, after your workouts, when you wake up, before you go to bed? Are you doing, are you getting steps in? Are you going for your walks in addition to your cardio? Like, are you moving? Or is your body just completely locked up all week and then you go and lift super heavy and then you're stiff as a board and you're wondering why you're anxious? So there's the physical side of looking after the body, which I think stretching, mobility, some form of, you know, people can do that in, in all different ways. But Paul Check calls it working in, which is doing intentional things that give you more energy than before you started. If you're tired and it's 1 p.m. and you go for a 15-minute walk, that will give you more energy than you expended going for the walk. But if you go and do five-by-five five squats, that will leave you with less energy than before you came in. So just working out, but working in is important. And I think that that's a factor. And one of my favorite aspects of working in is mindfulness meditation, which is where you sit down and you actually calm your mind. Because if you're sitting down on the couch and you're watching, you know, an action movie, your 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 brain doesn't really know full well that that's not real. So you're in that. So mindfulness is completely actually calming the nervous system. And what you're doing when you meditate, when you, when you practice mindfulness, is you're practicing the mental skill of attention. 
And the mental skill of attention is very important because that is the foundation for doing thing doing things that you need to do that you don't want to do. And a deficiency in this is often diagnosed as inattentive ADHD, and they pump you full of amphetamines for it. You're just lacking a skill. And when when guys tell me they go, oh, I, I can't clean my room; it's too overwhelming. I'm like, remember when your first girlfriend came over to your bedroom? He's like, yeah. I'm like, did you clean it then? Oh yeah. It's like, well, then you can. You just don't have the purpose and drive to do it. Oh yeah, I know. The problem is that not everything that you need to do in life is hell fun. Yeah. It's not. And there's a whole bunch of stuff that you need to do that is monotonous and shit to get the things that you want. And it's always been like that. But the problem is now that there's too many shortcuts or there's too many illusions that you don't need to do those things. So you feel like you can get away with it. I'm sure our ancestors didn't want to hunt and fish and, and, and you know, skin animals and, and build shelters. I'm sure they didn't want to do any of that, but they had to, otherwise they would die. And I I don't think that people have enough and when I say people, I mean people who struggle with this. I don't think that people who struggle with this have enough capacity to exert willpower, which is I'm going to set my alarm at 4.30 tomorrow morning because I want to get up and do these things that I think are important before I go out for my day. And if you wake up and it goes off at 4.30 and you go, oh, fuck that, I don't want to do it. What mindfulness is, is going, oh, fuck that, I don't want to do it, hitting the snooze button, but then getting up because... Mm -hmm you will always have that split second reaction. So there's nothing wrong with you for waking up and going, I want to hit snooze. That's normal. If you if you know how the snooze button works, that's a very normal human response. Fuck this, I want to go back to bed. But mindfulness is what allows you to, to take a step back from that reaction and decide what you want to do and allows you to make a choice. And it's not going to always force you to make the right choice. I've had plenty of situations where I've deliberately made a bad decision in hindsight it was a bad decision at the time i went yep okay i want to do the self-sabotage thing because that's what i feel like doing right now make some bullshit excuse for it and then you do it then you fuck up and you feel like crap and then you learn from it but it's still it's important to develop that skill because if you develop that skill then you can audit yourself and then you can link up and being like ah, oh, okay every time i hit the snooze button i have a shit day at work and every time i get up and go to the gym and do the things i was meant to do i have a better more productive day and you go, oh, I'm aware of this now. And then you can start to integrate that and you can teach yourself to ultimately get yourself where you want to go. And I think that's one of the things that people struggle with the most that I talk to is that they, a lot of the time they know where they want to go. They know how they want to be. They know how they want to look. They know how they want to act. They know what, what they want to achieve, but they just don't know how to get there. And the problem is that you can have the best plan in the world, but if you can't actually execute it in the moment, it doesn't matter. And so many of the, so many people's problems come from, they get the plan they get the plan laid out in front of them and then they still make bad reactive decisions. They still sabotage themselves in the moment. And it's because they don't have that skill of creating space between the stimulus and the response. So developing willpower and then developing capacity for stress I think in combination, it doesn't solve every problem, but I think it prevents a whole bunch of future problems from happening. And I think it also empowers people to start to get their shit together and get get back on track. And that's why I think it's such a good foundation. And I think that the juxtaposition of the two is extremely important. And if I tell 10 guys to do martial arts and, and, and meditation, about two or three of them will do the martial arts and maybe one of them will do the meditation. Because uh, I can't make them do it. And I'm not interested in making them do it. 
but what I am interested in, in is teaching the perspective and educating them and basically leading the horse to water and understanding I can't make them drink, but teaching them that if they are thirsty, then drinking is a solution for that, as, as uncomfortable it may be. And the the thing is, when the when the guys do do the mindfulness meditation and the martial arts and they do it, it completely changes their lives. It completely changes everything. And that's the thing that inspires me the most to you know spread this message and talk about it is being like I've I've seen it work, and I've spoke like I used to teach meditation and I've spoken to you know martial arts coaches about it and they're like, yep, that's what people need. Yep, that's the solution. Um, so it's it's there for people to do, and the problem with it is that it involves things that you need to do, not things that you need to take. It is so easy to get people to take supplements. It is so difficult to get people to actually do the right thing with their time. So the most important thing in this, and in my conversation, just to you know, come back to the original question 10 minutes later, is a big overarching part of what I teach guys is about, I'm much more interested in what you do than what you take. Because you can take the best fucking supplement stack in the world. And I've seen guys spend thousands a month on, on the best supplement stacks, and it doesn't get them to where they need to go. Whereas if you do everything right day in, day out, you can get, you don't need any of the supplements. I mean, they can help you, sure. But what you do has way more of an impact than what you, what you take. And what you take is marketed to tell you that it will give you the results for substituting the things that you need to do. That's what all supplement marketing is ever. But a bodybuilding supplement is a great example of this. But it's all in what you do. And the it's, all these things, I don't make any money out of. They're not free. I mean, learning martial arts isn't free, but meditation's free. Not hitting the snooze button's free. Going for a walk's free. Getting out in nature's free. Going for some of the ocean's free. Um, eating well and not spending money on alcohol could maybe even save you money. Um, and then when you look after yourself better and invest in invest, invest your time in yourself, then you increase your earning capacity. So if anything, it's the best investment ever. And it's just something that's uncomfortable. And the most important thing that we can do is learn to push through the discomfort and say, hey, I know you don't want to do this, but you need to. And that internal conversation is difficult. And that's the internal, that, that's the conversation that your fathers are supposed to have with you when you're growing up. And what they're supposed to teach you is that to get to where you want to go, you have to do the uncomfortable thing now so that you can have what you want later. And if you haven't had someone take you through that and teach you that and, and and actually guide you through and nurture it with you, that's fucking hard. But you still got to do it. Yeah. Doing hard things. Kind of very simple uh, concept, but the execution, like you said, that's the difficult And I part. think that's the, the important thing with working with, and again, I don't know what it's like working with women, but working with men, I think the most important thing, and I've spoken about this before, is that like, you, you have to honor their suffering and, and, and you have to genuinely let them know and be like, yeah, dude, you, you're, you're doing well just getting through where you're at. Like, I see some guys' testosterone levels and I'm like, how the fuck do you even get out of bed in the morning? And they're like, it's hard. And I'm like, you're doing yeah. well just having this conversation and getting through. Um, so I, I think it's important that, that guys get their suffering validated in terms of being like, hey, what, what you are going through or what you went through was objectively difficult and a lot of people wouldn't have been able to handle it as well as you or wouldn't be able to handle it as well as you are now. And that's not bullshitting. That's genuinely saying it. Right. 
but it's also saying it doesn't fostering a victim mentality even if you were a victim of something it's not going to help and and that's the thing is that we we have to teach these guys to have narratives and have stories and have perspectives that serve them and because if, if you're if your inner monologue gives you meaning and, and purpose in what you're doing then it's going to make making those harder decisions when you need to do them easier because now there's purpose for it so i think it's it's this important juxtaposition between saying hey man like yeah you've got it tough at the moment but it's also saying so do the rest of us and you've still got to do it anyway and that's the camarade that, that builds camaraderie it's like mm -hmm. yep yep it's shit yep it sucks yep oh hey finding out that the entire medical system was all a fucking scam and a hoax to put you on antidepressants to make you impotent and and you know a, a good little tax-paying worker be yep it can be a big wake-up call to realize that the food pyramid made you sick you know all this kind of stuff can be very difficult to swallow because once you wake up to one part of it you realize that a whole bunch of it was bullshit and then there's you know processes of integrating and going through that but it's also like yeah we all went through that and and i think that's the value of communities and you know things like silverback and i think that's one of the, the best things about silverback is people are going to go and be like there's other people here who went through what i went through and this stuff's niche this stuff's underground this stuff's in the dark like most guys i know don't know anyone else on trt like they work this all out themselves and it's getting more out there now people are becoming more aware of it which is sick but yeah you know i i didn't i didn't know anyone on trt when i started it and so yeah i, I think that it, it's that there, there's so much to again going back to the cars thing I think so much we focus on the machinery and the biological reaction to the machinery. And that's a factor. But the other thing is that we, we are all sentient beings and we're all human. And the, the, the biggest thing that fucks people up is compliance. And the thing that fucks up the compliance is it's not that the car's broken. It's the fact that we make bad decisions. And mm -hmm. there, there's a, one of the, one of the things that I deal with a lot with my clients and, and my clients listening, they'll, they'll, they'll hear this and they'll go, yep, that's me is they don't do as a fucking told but there has to be a there has to be an allowance for that because i didn't do as i was fucking told either um mm -hmm. and it's part of the learning is working with men is understanding that they're going to go away and they're going to listen to what you said and they're, they're going to have their own naively formed opinion and they're going to think they're right and they're going to found find out they weren't and the worst thing that you can do then for people listening who are coaches or doctors the worst thing you can do then is abandon them because that's bullshit. That's not how it works. You hold them accountable. You tell them, yeah, you were fucking stupid. And you, you, you get to say, I told you so. But you don't get to shut the door on people for making a mistake. And that's part of men's learning experience. If I, if I tell a guy, don't touch the stove, it's hot. He's going to want to touch it. But if he keeps touching it, he's a dumbass. But if he touches it once, it's because he's like, oh, I wanted to see if it was hot or if you were a pussy. Like, it, it's they're like okay i i i take your perspective and take your opinion but here's my opinion and i want to see if i'm right like that's as long as it's not something that is unbelievably dangerous and going to kill them i think it's an inevitable part of the learning and i think that that's what men need as well is they need someone who's actually going to be understanding and someone who's going to coach them properly and a big part of coaching is understanding that everyone's different everyone's going to take different styles of advice everyone's going to learn differently and it doesn't mean they're bad people totally and chris cavallini said this weekend he was like don't tell people about your problems without telling them what you're going to do about it 
And I love that because that kind of puts the kibosh on people just commiserating and complaining and all of that stuff. And it's like, you can, you can complain, but what is the solution? What is your plan to get out of the situation that you're in or to solve whatever you're going through? So I love that. Um, to wrap this up, can you give people the info on where they can find Primal and how they get hooked up with them and yourself as well and all that fun stuff? Yeah, absolutely. So if you'd like to contact, uh, so if you're in Australia and you'd like to work with Primal Zone and your TRT, you can uh, contact Primal at primalzone.com.au. Um, if you would like to work with me, um, I do have a bit of a wait list, but you can uh, book in for coaching with me on www.advancedfundamentalhealth.com. And maybe by the time this podcast is out, I'll have my hell sick new website. Um, so that would be cool. And I also have a ebook uh, on my website, which I recommend that everyone checks out. And if anyone's listening to this and you can't afford the $30 for it, please send me an email. I'll send you a copy for free. Uh, it is called TRT 101, and it is an instruction manual on how to do TRT properly, as opposed to what is TRT. It's a guide. It's it's all the IP that I've gathered over, over the years in terms of being like, this is an instruction manual on everything you need to know if you're going to start and if you're in your first year. I think it's really important that guys have that that they can refer back to. And depending on when this goes live, maybe when it's out or a couple of weeks afterwards, I'll also have my my sequel book, uh, which is called Beyond TRT, uh, available, which is currently getting proofread. And this is covering everything beyond TRT. So it's a guide for pregnenolone, DHEA, thyroid, uh, HCG, fertility, and estrogen, uh, which are the things that some guys need assistance with and some guys don't, or a lot of guys fuck around with and make problems when they didn't need to touch it in the first place. So it's a it's a bit more of a dive into those topics, but it's still written in a in a 101 style that everyone can understand. So that will be live probably when this goes out as well. And yeah, otherwise, if people want to reach out to me, uh, Dave at advancedfundamentalhealth.com is my email. Awesome. And if you guys are still considering Silverback, silverbacksummit.com. We're in Austin, November 9th through 11th. It's going to be a fucking last. Dave, thank you. Always a pleasure. Thank you. <laughs>